come to these meetings. And I live here. Isn't it fun to come and to celebrate life together in Jesus Christ? The center of our life. We don't add him to our life. He's not peripheral. He's not tangential. He's right at the center of our life. Jesus Christ. When history is written about this time, I just wonder, I don't know for sure, but I just wonder if it will include what's happening in this room. I sometimes think it will because of God stirring so powerfully in this state, in this city, and some of the hearts of people who are sitting here, including mine. I feel a stirring these days like I haven't before. I know you do too. I know some of you do. You feel a real strong stirring in your heart. And they didn't know, that Oxford community didn't know when they gathered together to pray for their generation that they were going to be written down in history. Are you going to, you got something to say? Your kids love um, going here too. Your kids? Okay. (laughs) How about that? My kids like going here too. Yeah. So I want to. I want Karen and me. This is my wife. We love living here, and we love having you come and being a part of our outfit. There's only a couple that don't know that I'm Okay. And I still date her tomorrow night. Here's the message in song, and we're going to put the words up. The Tin Fish, highly recommended. Some of you heard it before. This is what Paul wrote a long time ago. Count it all joy. My brothers, count it all joy. and we'll do an encore. (laughs) Think about it. 
What did you just sing? It's crazy. Count it joy when your neighbor runs over his lawn and the next day accuses you of running over it. Count it all joy. Really? Count it all joy when the promotion that you thought you were going to get goes to somebody that has half the experience and half the intelligence as you. Really? Is it normal to count it all joy? No. It's not normal. Then you don't know a lot of people who do that at the outset. Hey, it's easy to do it at the end, right? It's, that's easy. Anybody can do that. Any moron can thank God at the end of the trial. How, who can thank him at the beginning? Anybody here? Anybody can thank him? Here are three guys who are getting ready to step into the fire, and they're being challenged with their life. This is a test. This is a trial. We all have trials, right? We all have tests. Does God test us ever? Oh, yeah, he does. It says in Genesis 22, and God tested Abraham. It was a serious test. Did he pass his test? Oh, he passed it. Good. Yeah, and I hope whatever you're going through now or whatever you've gone through recently, I really hope that you pass your test. Because when you pass a test, it becomes a testimony. Then you can talk about it. Abraham talked about what God did because he supplied the animal that he didn't bring. He brought his son. God supplied the animal. And he made a testimony out of a test. It doesn't feel that way right at the beginning. It feels like, oh, man, I want to get out of this as soon as I can. And the thought of being joyful at the front end doesn't always occur to us. However, it's a command. It's not an option. It's not a possibility. It's not a thought. It's not a good idea. Count it joy, my brothers. Consider it joy. Chalk it up as joy, knowing that the testing of your faith produces uh, steadfastness, perseverance. So we want to just talk about that for a little while. So you may want to think of something that you either went through recently or that you're going through now. Rick Warren said, we're either moving toward a test, trial, we're in the midst of it, we're coming out the other end. Because they are really common. Right in the world, you will have tribulation. Count, do not think it strange, my brother, says Peter, 1 Peter 4, when you encounter various trials. Count it joy when you, whenever, not if, when. So wouldn't that be wonderful if God were to teach us tonight how to rejoice in the midst of trials? Here are these three guys. They've got a trial, and they're talking to Nebuchadnezzar, and they say, just, okay, make it clear now. What, what, what is this now? You're saying we either bow down or we go into the furnace. He says, right. So they're thinking, What do we do? 
could we just bow down to Nebuchadnezzar and tell God in our hearts, we really are worshiping you, but we're just bowing down because we don't want to go in the fire. I don't know if they had that discussion. I don't think they did. They looked at Mr. Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, we'll take the fire. And he was raging mad, it says, because he thought he would leverage his influence and turn their hearts around. It didn't. I think God loves so much when people go his way in the midst of a test that he likes to show up when that happens because God showed up at that test. He does it. He did it for Paul. Here's Paul thrown in the back of the prison with stocks on, having just been beaten up, and it's midnight. Would you be, compl- would you be saying, hey, this isn't fair? This is not just. I was, I was unjustly beaten. Wouldn't that be a natural response? Yes, it would. So Paul elbows his friend Silas and says, hey, do you know that chorus? Jesus is Lord. Yeah, let's sing it. And they start singing, and God rattles that thing because there is such a response, such a supernatural response. That's the way I want to respond. Don't you want to respond that way when you face trials? You're going through one right now. Wouldn't you like just to say, God, I'm sorry. I let some complaining out. I had a guy that called me last week from California and he said I'm really going through a tough one and I don't know if I should even stay in the job because I feel that the boss is stepping over the line he's compromising values he's not a Christian he's very it's very difficult to work in that setting and I'm I'm wondering if I should just speak to him and then leave and I said that's a setup he said what do you mean I said you should pay him for what you're going to get from this He wasn't sure whether he wanted to do that. And I said, 1 Peter 2 says, if you can respond in a Christ-like way to an overbearing boss, you have favor with God. How much is favor with God worth to you? What if you said, I'm not going to talk to one person about this stinking boss? Because he probably already had, right? What if I'm only going to think good things? What if I'm going to pray for this boss? Heaven looks down and smiles and does something wonderful in your life. Is it worth it? Is that worth it? To change your attitude? Come on, sometimes your attitude stinks, doesn't it? And so does mine. James, the brother of Jesus, learned how to think rightly in the presence of trials. If we can get it with the trials, the easy things, that's okay. But we can learn in the trials to respond in a Christ-like way. Just recently, just a few days ago, I love her. I thought about the way I responded, and it wasn't gentle. And I said to the Lord, I really want to learn your gentleness, Lord Jesus. I want to learn to be gentle. I want gentleness to characterize my words, my life. I said, please. Help me. So how is he going to help me? He's going to put me in situations where that's tested. Exercise is artificial pain that we give to our body so that we can grow muscles. 
tests are not artificial pain. It's real life that's there to test our muscles. And if we can learn to, resp excuse me, to respond appropriately, we're going to see God do wonderful things. I mean powerful things. I wouldn't be surprised if this, this com company here can learn what I'm teaching you tonight. I wouldn't be at all surprised if we wrote history based on what happens in this room. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I really believe that. I believe that something is so stirring in this city. Make Connections are being made at every level of influence. And that if you can learn this and say, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to learn how to respond. Then you'll develop the kind of character that influences people. Daniel did it. Those three guys did it. They influenced nations. They influenced three continents, uh, three, three countries, three kings. I don't know if anybody in history has ever done that. Daniel did. How did he do it? He knew how to respond to God. It's easy to complain. It's easy to wimp out. Israel, here they are. They just came through. Miriam led them in a dance, and they're singing praises to God, and they run out of water. Who wants to run out of water in the desert? What do you do when you run out of water in the desert? You find a leader to complain to. You think about it. You say, hey, this is not a good thing. I'm not sure I like this. Is that, that when you say, thank you, Father. We ran out of water. In fact, it is. In fact, it is. But that's not our normal response. John 6, it says, when Jesus looked around and saw the multitude, and it was a multitude of probably 10,000 people. It says that he asked Philip, where are we going to get money to feed this crowd? And then it says, kind of a parenthetical statement. Listen to this. He asked this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus was testing him and saying, okay, Philip, what do we do in this situation? Now, what should Philip have said? I don't know, but I bet you have a pretty good idea. I, I bet you have something that you could do, Jesus. Instead, he pulled out his calculator and he started, listen to what he says. Philip answered, eight months wages. Where'd he get eight months? Would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Let's just stop right here before we go any farther. Just those four words. Count it all joy. Maybe you want to just think about what you're going through now and, and just make a declaration in your heart to the Lord. I'd like to live that way. Father, would you change us tonight? Change us for our, from our wimpy, complaining, criticizing responses that don't bring any joy in heaven to a response that says, okay, this looks like a time for God to move.
What do I have here? Toothpaste. What's in what's inside of this tube? What's inside? Toothpaste. If I what what would happen if I if I squeeze this? You sure? Would toothpaste come out? Okay, I'm going to squeeze it. Whoa. Whoa. What is it? Now, how do you know toothpaste is going to come out? If God squeezed you, what would come out? I'll tell you what will come out. Toothpaste was inside, and when it got squeezed, it came out. What will come out is whatever is inside of you. If gratitude is inside of you, and you get squeezed, gratitude comes out. If you get squeezed, and your complaining comes out, that's what's in. That's what it is. It just took a little squeeze to get it out. When God squeezes you tomorrow, what's going to come out? I'll tell you what's going to come out. Whatever's inside. I don't know you until I know you in the time of testing. Right? I know you better in the test. That's why I want to be like Paul, the Apostle Paul. That's why I want to be like those three men. That's how I want to be like Daniel. Because in the face of trial and temptation, they just soared. And they wrote history. Oh, God, we want to write history here. We're not here to play games. I love having fun. I love getting together and just rejoicing. This is sober stuff. There are people's lives at stake by how we respond to difficulties. If we can learn this, I beg you to listen to me and pray for me, and I'll pray for you that we'll learn this. Count it all joy whenever, not if, whenever, you face not when you finish, when you face. At the outset, we are going to say, God, this is a tough one. This does not feel good at all. I feel like running. I feel like opening my mouth and complaining. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to thank, thank you that you're going to do something supernatural. When God shows up in the face of suffering, things happen. <laughs> things really happen. It, you start rocking and rolling in the prison. Things are changing because God is so pleased with people who are ready to respond in his way. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that when the gl his glory is revealed in you, you will rejoice with exceeding I like the way you preach, young lady. Whoa. This is Damaris, by the way. Damaris is a friend of the Harvest Communities and the Harvest Project and has prayed for us, prayed for our family, and you can be around here anytime. We'll give you the mic. Count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. Isn't that interesting? 
when people get serious about lifting weights, they don't just concentrate on one area. Some, some do. You know, some just want to get this chest out there. Some just want to get biceps out there. And so they do only certain exercises. But listen to how the verse goes. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I mean, your legs are strong. Your, your, your core is strong. Your chest is strong. You've got strong biceps. You're, you're working out the different areas. So what does God do? He'll give us a test regarding our finances. Are you passing the financial test? There's, there's an incredible scripture about a test that God gave to some people and the amazing way that they passed their financial test. Some of you are failing finances because you think that when I get money, then I give and I become generous. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has shown the Macedonian churches out of the most severe trial. Say severe trial. This wasn't a little trial. It was a severe trial. What did they do? Their extreme poverty, they weren't poor, they were extremely poor, welled up in rich generosity. Did they pass their financial test? They really did. It got written up in the book. These Macedonian churches, they were so generous. Why? Because they were wealthy? No. They were extremely poor. And something in the heart said, you know, this would probably be a good time to be generous. Because then we're... We're, we're testing God. That's the only area the Bible says you can test God with your finances. You can put them to the test and see how he responds back to you. And so let's go, with, let's go for it in our finances. Let's not be stupid, but let's be extravagant. Let's step out. Let's step out beyond and watch God move in our finances. And our emotional well-being, our emotional health, there are tests that come to us. We want to respond in our relationships, relationships to leaders, relationships to bosses, relationships in, the, in our family, among our siblings, with our spouses. How are you doing? You're getting tested, aren't you? God invented some of those tests. I was going through a test about a year ago. And as I told you, I mentor people. I have peer mentor, one uh, Gary Gilbertson. And I have someone who's over me in the Lord, and he mentors me. I called up Gary and I said, Gary, I cannot imagine so many things going wrong in one period of time, this three-week period. I counted 11 things, things that had broken. Just, it was, to me, b bizarre. And so I called him up and I said, Gary, let me just ask you a question. Help me out. Do you think this is God, Satan, or me? And Gary said, yes. <laughs> Good answer. Do you know that it doesn't make any difference who it is, how you respond? The Bible says, resist, uh, uh, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That works every time, whether it started with God or it started with Satan. Some, it's both. With Job, they were both working on something. With Paul and his thorn in the flesh, God was at work, and it says it was a messenger from Satan. So God uses, get this in your theology, 
Satan is a convenient tool of God, and he will snuff him out when he's done with him. And he knows that his time is short. And so he's getting nervous. He's really getting nervous because he knows that he doesn't have much time left. Amen. And he's hateful, he's bitter, and there's, there's no joy in, in his company. There's just bitterness. And the time is coming when he'll be snuffed out. So I said, okay, I want to respond to this in a godly way. And then Gary told me a story of a missionary in Mexico who had a flat tire. And when you get a flat tire in this part of Mexico, <coughs> you don't call Tires Plus. You don't take your car in. You walk. You walk a long ways. And he got another tire. Blew out. Then he got another one. Didn't complain. He got 11 flat tires. And when he fixed the 11th one, the Lord said, you passed. Now what's going on there? God is building such endurance, such patience, such steadfastness, such endurance in that person. What's one of the most important qualities you can have in the end times? It says, he that endures to the end. See, there are some that are going to tire out, some that are going to wimp out. You may know some that were here, that were following the Lord, like Demas. The Bible says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Somebody gets another passion, another desire, and they wimp out, and they're no longer following. You're not going to do that, are you? Because the Lord is faithful to you. You're going to be faithful to him. You're going to endure to the end. How do you learn how to endure? Building muscles, real pain, hardship that you respond to with thanksgiving to God. For it has been given not only to believe on his name, but to suffer for his sake. Knowing, that's a strong word. You said knowing with strength. What do we know? We know that the testing, of our faith produces this wonderful quality of endurance. I'm not giving up. I'm not wimping out. I may fail in this situation, but I'm not giving up. The Bible says the righteous fall seven times and rise again. I love that. You can't keep them down. They have an ex a, a temporary glitch, and then they just can't get back in. I'm going for it. I'm I'm in the fight, knowing that the testing of your faith produces, something is being produced in your life right now as you say yes and thank God for what he's working in your relationships. God, God does this. He causes friction in families by putting people together in, in a household with somebody that's different than they are. And then he puts you together in marriage. I mean, he puts together a man and a woman. That's different. And then he, this happens. And because you're committed to a lifelong relationship till death us do part, something's going to happen. Something's going to change. Hopefully, you don't chicken out and check out. Hopefully, you let it happen. Because you promised till death us do part. Knowing that, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, this will this will create a fire, won't it, honey? Do that long enough, my hands will be on fire. Thank you. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, let steadfastness have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking lacking nothing. What a wonderful place to be in. Lacking nothing. I'd, I'd like that, wouldn't you? That there's, there's no area where Satan can get at you and say, oh, oh, he got me now. That he can, he can go after it and you say, no, I'm tested in that area. I'm patient. I'm persevering. Because you've been tested enough. So we don't run from the tests, do we? We walk into them. Now, that's not easy to do. Not easy. We have, we have to have a change in our mental outlook. So what I do, just so I'm ready for it, I thank God almost every morning. Thank you for tests, for trials, for, for tension. I used to run from tension. But now I want to walk right into the tension. Because it, tension is my friend. Tension is speaking a language to me. And I want to listen to what that gauge on the dashboard is saying to me. And I want to respond to it in a Christ-like way. Not in a stupid way. It says, why does this have to happen to me? I underlined my Bible. I had my devotions all last week. I go to church. I serve the Lord. What a stupid thing to say. Because as soon as you say, I do. Were you going to say that? Were you really going to say that? If you do, you're living under the law. I deserve. Then you're asking God to give you what you deserve. Can I tell you what you deserve? <laughs> you pretty people. <laughs> that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then it says, if any man lack wisdom, it's in the context of trials that that verse is given. Not in the context of Watching a three-hour movie when you have a test the next morning, you come in and you're not ready and say, God, I need wisdom. (laughs) That's not the context, kids. Now, you can try that, but you may not get your answer. But in the context of trials, because trials can mess us up. They can mess with our thinking. Let me just give you some wrong ways of thinking in a time of a trial. God is angry with me. Was he angry with Abraham? No. No. He was pleased with him. If God gives you a test, you're his son, you're his daughter. God isn't listening to my prayers. It has nothing to do with that. God did this to teach me some kind of lesson, but I don't know what the lesson is. Some people think that. I wish he'd tell me what the lesson is. By the way, does God usually tell you when he gives you a test? He usually doesn't. Sometimes it does. Some, he, he told Smyrna, you're going to go through a test. But usually he doesn't. It would be easier, you know, if the disciples, he, he says to them, okay, now, I'm going to go up in the hill. You're going to go out. And you're going to row across. You're going to get halfway. A storm is going to come. And it's going to, it's going to almost threaten your life. But you're going to make it through. Man, they would have buckled under, wouldn't they? They would have been ready for it. They didn't know. And they faced that thing. And it Almost did put him under. So God doesn't tell you ahead of time. 
But what if you see it and say, this is a test. The test is over. I'll tell you, the test is over once you recognize it. Because I know then you respond rightly. The test was over. I've told you that before. When this place f flooded and this floor was four inches of water and the rug was floating. When, when uh, I think it was Clint who, who said, hey, didn't we just talk about trials and suffering? As soon as he said that, the test was over because we knew God was going to do something. Did he send it? I don't know. Doesn't matter. He sure blessed us in the midst of it. God loves to bless us in the midst of tests so that they become real testimonies. I'm, close, I'm, I'm almost done here. A couple, couple important things. As you move to verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who endures trial. For when he has stood the test, you didn't get knocked over, you stood the test, he will receive the Stephanos, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, what's a crown? Speak up. This is, this is, there are two different kinds of crowns. And my Greek friends will, will know the, the difference. In New Testament Greek, there's a diadem, which is the crown of a king. That's a regal crown. A stephanos is the crown of a victor. It's an Olympic champion. Corinthian games, Paul's thinking back of the games that he probably observed because he gives athletic illustrations from time to time. And he'll say, this person will receive that crown that comes to those who win, that don't break the training rules, that win the race, that go for it. And win. That, it's that kind of crown. You're a victor. You're not a victim. It's so easy. Here, this is really important. I see it all the time. It's easy in the midst of tests to become victims. A victim is someone who identifies the pain as his own, and so that becomes his, his or her identity. Yeah, and so he becomes, I am the one who had the, uh, the, the terrible thing happen as a teenager. I am the one who had the terrible parents. I'm the one who was in that congregation that split and they didn't notice me. I am the one. And so we take our pain as our identity and we become victims. Victims only live in their past. They can't walk into their destiny. That's why I'm so concerned when I see victim mentality in anybody here. You, you need to get help so that you don't identify with your pain and lose your chance to walk into your God-appointed destiny. So God, please help any who, who find comfort in an identity that is other than what you are making them so that they can walk into their God-appointed destiny. Blessed is a man who endures trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive that crown of righteousness that the Lord has promised to those who love him. A crown is a symbol of authority. And so some of you are going to be, as you pass the test, you're going to feel a level of authority come to you. Authority and you come into a meeting like this and you, and you say, I'm going to change this meeting. I'm going to change this person. I'm going to speak into this person's life. See, it's not about you anymore. It's about what you're, you're in a place where you're going to influence. I told this young friend, I said, influence that company. Influence that boss. Silently. By praying for him. By blessing him. 
Go ahead and do it. So what do you think? You, you, you want to go for it? You want to, you're ready to go for it? Okay. Uh, let's, let's just turn to the Lord in prayer. Pardon? Oh, that'd be wonderful. Do we have communion tonight? Oh, wonderful. That would be a great thing to do now. Yeah. Did you want to lead it? Okay, thank you very much. By the way, uh, I almost spoke on the gift of tongues because what I am seeing is that people who speak a lot in tongues, if they're emotionally ill, they get healed from emotional illness. And that people who struggle with different aspects of their life, the more they speak in tongues, the more likely they will experience healing, like from victimization. And when there are fears or doubts, speaking in tongues. I, uh, in, a, in a few weeks, I don't know when, Dan and I are working on the schedule, but in a few weeks I want to speak more on the, this wonderful gift and invite those of you who don't speak in tongues or those who do but don't use it very often to exercise it a lot, a lot. Go ahead and, and take, uh, don't, don't drink it, but just take a cup and then take the bread. I've got books here. They're free. It's on the Holy Spirit, one chapter on tongues, one on prophecy. So if we run out, I've got more. I'd love to give it to you. Guys, we're mentoring on Monday night, every other, every other Monday. Let me know if you'd like to be a part of that, if I haven't already talked to you. If you want to be a part of that on Monday night, you'd be coming at 8 o'clock on Mondays. Okay, let's, let's transition. Thank you. Bible says, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so we just take a moment now. We don't beat ourselves up, but the Bible says to examine. Take inventory. Take personal inventory of your thoughts, of your attitudes. And if there is a need to confess, it would be good to do it before you eat and drink. So just in your heart, examine yourself. I'm going to confess what might be in many of us. Father, we confess wrong attitudes. We confess the complaining spirit. We confess that we're entitled. We feel sometimes entitled to better from other people, better from you. That we feel like life has crippled us, life has victimized us, life has made it hard for us to achieve. Other people have it easier, we have it harder. We're sorry we have singled ourselves out. We're sorry where we have made ourselves exception to the rule, exception to the word, where we have stepped out from underneath your authority and your word. 
And we've done it rather casually, saying, well, it doesn't apply here. I can speak the way I want to speak. And we've used our tongue in illegitimate ways, and we are sorry. And we thank you that you are relentless in your love, and therefore you will allow us to go through trials, or you will actually design tests for us to bring us into a deeper place of security in you. And we choose tonight to anchor our life in the love of Jesus Christ and to upgrade our confidence, not in our circumstances, but by in you who change circumstances. You take difficult things and turn them for good. You take evil things and you, you bring the best out of them. Like Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so he wasn't a whiner. And he became the second most powerful person in the world. God, I bless my friends here because I truly believe that you have something in mind with this group that is significant. And so we remember how our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. In the same way also, he took a cup, and when he had supped, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of all those things related to tests where we have done incorrectly. My, how rich is that? How wonderful is that? He remembers them no more. We can have confidence in the face of the test that will be coming our way that we are better armed because we have embraced the word. We have imbibed it. We have eaten it. So take and drink. And you can just pass them down to the center.
the blood sing it with us uh, Karen and I will sing it you come in at some point the blood that Jesus shed Your eyes are going to be open. 
Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Yes, Lord. I want to see you. To see you. cared for your mother. You cared for a thief who couldn't possibly earn his way. You committed yourself to trust in your father. And you died and the earth shook. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We want to see you. We want to see you in the midst of your trials so that we don't whip out in the midst of ours. We want to follow you, Lord Jesus. for one another. Jesus. We bless Nathan as he gets ready to move down to Kansas City. Mm. You want to help him move? He'd appreciate mm. that. Pray for those who are particularly going through a really severe test now. Anybody yes. in that situation that you're facing, raise your hand if you're going through a really severe test. Look around. Put your hand on them. I want to pray for those who are really in the midst of a very, very difficult time. Oh, Lord, Lord, 
We reach out to our brothers and sisters, Lord. We stand with them. The Bible says, knowing that your brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same trials. We want to stand with those who are in the midst of trials. Healing is coming. Healing is on the way. Victory is on the way. You can see it coming. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. You can see Jesus is coming. He is on the way. Jesus is coming. It is well. With my
here tonight, we invite you to go out that door there upstairs and Kat will meet with you. The rest of us, turn to someone right near you now. This becomes a prayer meeting. For the next 10 or 15 minutes, it'll be a prayer meeting. We'll have plenty of time for fellowship. A lot of people hang till 11, 11.30. But right now, we want to take what we've heard and turn it into a prayer. So turn to someone next to you that you feel comfortable praying with. Ask for prayer if you have a, something that you're going through that you really need help with. Or ask them if you can pray for them. Support one another. This becomes a prayer meeting now. So go ahead, right now, turn.